Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Listen to what we started. The future really did begin here. The world's first scheduled broadcast was made from Westinghouse's KDKA. 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 Listen as we share 100 years of KDKA radio. Climb aboard our magic carpet for a montage of memories. Radio's finest hour. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mangino. Thank you very much for tuning in to KDKA, especially if you're on the AM dial at 1020. But I also want to welcome you to listen on the radio.com app where you can download the app and use the play pause feature so you don't miss a thing of what we're about to do in a commemoration of 100 years like we will be doing on this Wednesday and every Wednesday for the rest of 2020. You can also go back and rewind. If there's anything you may have missed or you want to go back and hear again, use the radio.com app to do just that. Let your friends know that they can go and download the app and listen as well. KDKA, 100 years. On November the 2nd, it will be officially 100 years. And none of us, I don't think, can actually go back to that first broadcast and remember it. But we all have fond memories, don't we, of when we first found KDKA? I like to meet people who tell me, I just discovered you. I'm so glad that we did. And we love listening to uh, Larry in the morning and like Marty and Lynn and Wendy and you and Rob Pratt on the weekends. And thank you very much for tuning in and finding us. There are others that go back a little bit further. When Mike Pintek was still with us and John Cigna and Fred Hansberger. Maybe going back to Jack Bogut. Maybe even further back than that. But going all the way back to 1920, I want to take you back to a special, a couple of clips that we had for a special about that very first broadcast 100 years ago. The time. November 2nd, 1920. 
The Place, an industrial area of East Pittsburgh. Rain is falling gently in the darkness. Just ahead, two young men are walking quickly toward one of the entrances of a large factory building. They enter and hurry up the long stairway to join three others in a tiny makeshift shack on the roof. A shack filled with electrical equipment. Each takes their place in the room. William Thomas is at a large panel of switches. R.S. McClelland and John Frazier sit at telephones. Chief Engineer Little stands by. And seated in front of a small box is Leo H. Rosenberg. William Thomas checks his pocket watch, nods, and throws a switch. And Leo Rosenberg begins the world's first scheduled broadcast. This is KBKA of the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company in East Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But did Leo Rosenberg realize he was making history? Everybody asked me that, and uh, we had no idea uh, because there never had been any broadcast. As a matter of fact, there was no such word as broadcast at that time. What we did was to send out the electric return. But the man responsible for the Westinghouse engineering triumph wasn't present at that first broadcast. Dr. Frank Conrad, assistant chief engineer of Westinghouse, was standing by at his experimental radio station, 8XK, five miles away in Wilkinsburg, in case the East Pittsburgh equipment failed. It was on this original transmitter that Dr. Conrad had first experimented four years earlier. Conrad's wife recalls. A few wires wrapped around the piece of pipe. I couldn't believe it. You looked at that thing and it talked back to you. <laughs> the real the start of KDK was due to the fact that some of the department stores in Pittsburgh begin to put begin to advertise radio sets which would receive signals that came from my laboratory. It was 1919 when Conrad, bored with transmitting his voice, first sent music into the air. The music will be from a Victrola pulled up close to the wireless transmitter. Soon, Conrad exhausted his supply of Victrola records. He arranged with the Hamilton Music Store of Wilkinsburg to supply records in exchange for announcements of the store's name. Thus, the Hamilton Music Store became the world's first radio advertiser. How great it is to hear Mike Pintech again. What an amazing story of how we began. And we're going to hear so much more about the transition. I mean, we used to play so much music. You just heard uh, the records that were exhausted. We played all music for the longest time with a focus on news. And then it was a transition from music to talk for a little while and then ultimately to all talk. And I can't think of anyone better right now than Larry Richard to go back in time with and find out from him what it was like to make that transition. What it was like to grow up listening to a radio station that meant the world to this region in Pittsburgh. And to then be able to not only just be on it, but to then host the morning show, the most highly rated show on the station. We're going to hear a lot from Larry about growing up as a kid, 
what the station ultimately meant, uh, how he played the very last record that ever aired on KDKA, and then how things changed. How he went from playing music and then back to television for a while and then ultimately to hosting the morning show, but it coincided with the events of 9-11-2001 and how that ultimately changed everything. And then the impact that had on radio here, because in the evenings we had a sports show. Many of you who are longtime listeners may recall Thor Tolo. He was on with us for years and years, and he was on during that time. And how broadcasting and how KDK changed with the events of 9-11. We'll talk to Thor Tolo coming up a little, bit, a little bit later on this evening. Larry Richard. We step back in time with him. Coming up next on a look back as we celebrate KDKA's 100 years on KDK Radio. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in on KDKA Radio 1020 on your AM dial. Make sure you download the app radio.com so you can go back and listen to any of this, especially within the last 24 hours. You can go back and listen once again and share it with your friends and your family, too. For anybody who's discovered KDKA Radio in the last 19 years or so, all you've ever been waking up to is Larry Richard. It's pretty amazing, considering how long he's been able to successfully uh, be on KDK, longer than John Cigna, longer than Jack Bogut, two of the greatest names in KDK radio history. What was it like, though, for Larry to grow up in Pittsburgh listening to KDK? We'll find out right now. I literally listened while sitting on the kitchen floor next to the heater with my parents doing the crossword puzzle in the paper, and Jack Bogut was on the radio. So imagine my parents lived long enough, then down the road, they were doing the crossword puzzle, having coffee, and it was me on the radio. And my mother said to me once, well, you know, they said, and I'm like, Mom, that was me. She goes, oh, my God, it was you. I go, I'm one of them. I'm not all of they, but I am of them. She goes, it was you, them, they. So... It was kind of, you know, growing up in this town, kind of cool to have that happen. But it was a long road in between. I went to North Allegheny High School. The school was new. They put in a color television studio. They had 12 students in a pilot program. I got some positive reinforcements from one of the board members. I did a, a video and I did the narration. And they said, I thought this was for the students who's that narrator? And they said, that's one of the students. He goes, oh, that was enough that encouraged me and another friend to get into radio in college. And then I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to get a, enough of sustain a career. But my dad always used to say, do something you love and you're passionate about. Don't worry about the money. Well, I ended up finding a job in country radio while I went out of out of high school or in college. Wow. His father must have known my father because that was the exact same advice that I got from my dad that kind of uh, launched me into a radio career, too. But when you think back to those days in the 60s and 70s, and you got to wonder and realize what KDK meant to everyone. 
Well, think about Jack Bogut coming here at the late 60s. There was no morning news on television. Uh, as far as school closings and delays, for instance, there was no other resource. KDK was the only way for students and parents to find out if their school was delayed or closed, which when you think about it, now you get robocalls, you can get text, you get it online, you can call the school, they call you. We still do it. And I think people still like to hear their school names occasionally on the air. But back then, gargantuan listening audience. There was no internet, you know, no other way to find out. Absolutely. And we think of Larry and we think of KDKA, but there was a time before there was KDKA. And here's more from Larry about right before he arrived here. So I'm working at WTAE-TV, and I get a call to come to KDK Radio and TV 31 years ago. My mother and father used to sit in the kitchen, do the crossword puzzle, have their coffee, and listen to Jack Bogut. And they wanted me to follow John Cigna. He announced his retirement, and it was on the QT. And then I got to follow first john now that's how i got the morning show after john but way before that i actually was on after cigna playing records for four hours between john and trish Beatty. our new news anchor we did 15 minutes of news was bill steinbach oh I, and it's incredible because i knew jack bogan worked with john cigna eventually you know replaced john when he decided to retire years later but for four years, I played records. And then I was the last DJ to play a record. And we chose American Pie, The Day the Music Died, and it made national news. I did the same thing at WTAE, so I've killed the music at two radio stations. Did you use the same song on both radio stations? No. No. I can't remember what the TAE one was. Anyway, they no longer exist as that. So we're still here, and we're getting ready for our centennial. A little bit more from Larry on ending the music. Yeah, I also was on television at the same time. So I had a morning TV. I had a morning TV show first. Then I became the weather guy. And uh, then I had my show on KDK Radio after Cigna. And then eventually they went talk. Well, they wanted to see if I could do talk radio. So they told me I could have a talk show but i couldn't take calls which i think was kind of handicap handicapping me on being able to you know at least try to explore being a talk show host but then i decided you know i can't do this with like that so i just went strictly to tv for quite a while and became the evening weather anchor on kdk television then i was thinking i'm missing all my kids stuff you know, I had three young kids at the time, and I'm praying for a change. But normally, you have to leave town to change stations or jobs. And miraculously, my prayers were answered. I got a call saying, John Cigna's going to retire. This is on the QT. Would you be interested in the job? And it took six months to get to the point where we did it. And then I was supposed to roll in on a Harley fat boy with a helmet on you know, where you couldn't see who I was. And Cygnus said, you got to be a Harley rider, got to be Italian-American. So here I am, not Italian-American, and didn't really ride. 
and I roll into the fountain area in front of Gateway One downtown, and I pull back my shade, and people go, hey, he's not Italian. I said, I married an Italian-American, and I hardly ride. So <laughs> Signal is loving that. And then my my biggest concern was, how do you follow a legend like John Signa? Right. You know, people were going to say, well, he's not Cigna, and I couldn't be Cigna. You, you have to be yourself like Cigna was in Jack Bogut. So I was really concerned about that. But my announcement as his replacement came five days before September 11th. And then the world changed. The station changed. We're much more news-focused, as we should have been in the moment. And every day it was about, you know, just getting through the next day. And so uh, that went on for a while and eventually just kind of morphed into uh, what we ended up doing for 19 years to this day. Larry Richard and remembering his career and his start and where he has been, uh, 9-11, a key pivot point for the radio station. We'll get into more of 9-11 and how that impacted KDK over the years in just a moment. News headlines coming up on KDK Radio. I'm Angino. Thank you very much for listening to this very special broadcast as we are celebrating 100 years for KDKA. It'll be official come November. Every Wednesday for the rest of the year, we are going to take a special look back in the 8 o'clock hour on Wednesdays of special things that have occurred, hosts that we've had on the air, sports, news, major figures in the region that connected back to KDK. It's going to be a time that you'll definitely want to set aside and make sure you're listening. And one of the great ways to listen is on the radio.com app so you don't miss a thing and you can actually go back and listen again, especially if you're listening in the past 24 hours because you can rewind back to any portion you want to listen to. Uh, And thank you very much for listening on your AM radio as well, 1020 on the AM dial. In the last segment, we were hearing from Larry Richard talking about how he grew up listening to KDKA, dreamed of being on the station, made it here, was the last person to play a song on KDKA, dabbled with talk, went back to TV, and then had the opportunity to take over for John Cigna after his story career. And then was wondering what would it be like to take over for somebody that significant, that big of a talent, that big of a personality. And then he mentioned about how 9-11 occurred. And I was actually golfing with my dad. I was off that day celebrating my new job, which was about to start. And we were at a place with another friend and his dad. And uh, we were near Swickley, and we noticed something strange because there's a lot of aircraft coming and going. And then a guy in a golf cart came up and said, a plane hit the World Trade Center. And we all thought, you know, like a Piper Cub smaller plane. We didn't realize what had transpired. Then they said, no, uh, a second plane purposefully went into the second tower. This is a jet airliner. And then we heard about Somerset. And we walked into the clubhouse, and everybody was standing there in front of the monitors. 
ironically, Jack Ham was there just as a golfer. It just and nobody said anything to each other. And then when we saw replays, then the towers fell, and we all went home. And then everybody wanted to find out where's my family, what's going on because that Somerset flight came close enough to be in visual contact with people in Pittsburgh in the USX Tower. So not knowing what was happening uh, was terrifying for everybody. But imagine then, that's my first chance to go on the air followed that. And my first guest was then Bishop Whirl talking about where does God go when it doesn't look like when good things are happening to, or bad things are happening to good people. Do you remember where you were when the plane struck on 9-11? Do you remember listening to the radio? One of the greatest in radio news, Bob Coppler, was on the air. Let's go back to 9-11-2001. An act of war, attack on America. It may have been the bloodiest day in U.S. history as hijacked jetliners slammed into New York's World Trade Center, collapsing the famous Twin Towers. Correspondent Eileen Cornell. There are people alive trapped in the basement of the World Trade Center who have been contacting relatives in Seattle by use of their cell phones. And they have two people made calls out to Seattle and said exactly where they were, that they were with others and that they were with police officers who are all alive and waiting for rescue. They haven't yet reached any of these people, but they know where they are. The gruesome task of counting the dead could take weeks. As many as 50,000 people believed to work in the World Trade Center. More than 300 firefighters and police are presumed dead. A third hijacked jet plowed into the Pentagon, where more than 100 people were reported dead. We get more on that story now from CNN's Dick Giuliano in Washington. Dick? Bob, recovery operations continue at the Pentagon. The fire chief says that as many as 800 people may have been killed in this attack, but they don't really know yet. They do know that there are still some individuals who are wounded and are in the debris, and they're working to reach these individuals and try to rescue them. And meanwhile, while those recovery operations continue, Pentagon employees have been told to report to duty today as the government continues operations. CNN's Dick Giuliano, live in Washington, D.C. A fourth attempt failed. United Flight 93 headed to San Francisco from Newark, hijacked and crashed uh, just north of Somerset County Airport. KDK Radio's Dave James is in Somerset County this morning. David? Well, Bob, authorities yesterday established the crash site as a crime scene. FBI agent Jeff Colleen says the investigation begins in earnest this morning. This investigation is in its infancy. Uh, we have devoted considerable resources and will devote considerable resources. And with the help of uh, many other agencies, we're going to uh, attack this problem and try to come to a reasonable conclusion. And that includes uh, Department of Environmental Resources. We have the Red Cross here, the Salvation Army, ATF, Pennsylvania State Police, uh, other local officers, uh, and probably many more agencies that are almost too... Uh, uh, too many to, to number at this point in time. KDK Radio News Time, 6.05. There were no threats against Pittsburgh, which turned into a ghost town Tuesday. The city was virtually shut down. People were lined up at blood donation centers. There appeared to be no run on food stores. President Bush has put the government on a war footing. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat. But they have failed. 
country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. Terrorist attacks can shake the foundations of our biggest buildings, but they cannot touch the foundation of America. Some are calling for a declaration of war. The prime suspect, Osama bin Laden, 44, a wealthy Saudi militant suspected in previous attacks on U.S. citizens. There are sporadic reports of soaring prices and frayed nerves at gasoline stations around the country. At some gasoline stations, prices of gasoline have jumped $5 a gallon. Prices on the New York Stock Exchange closed down 682 points. U.S. financial markets will be closed for a second day. Economists are predicting an economic recession. Not in 60 years has the United States changed so dramatically in such a short period of time. No superpower has ever been hit like this. It was another Pearl Harbor. Once again, Bob Coppler, just after 9-11, 2001. Uh, And... Larry Richard, more with Larry on how things really took a dramatic change. Yeah, I didn't have the anxiety of trying to be somebody I'm not. I think it was just telling the story. What's going on today? And it it generated and created things that we still do today uh, because of it. And that's what the radio still does, I think, better than anybody. You have all this massive amounts of information and technology and so much is coming at people. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, online, stream, you know, who knows? And journalistic principles have been thrown out the window. You don't know what sources they're coming from. So we still try to present Pittsburgh story every morning. What do you think is most important? What happened overnight for the morning audience? And trying to give people in 10, 15 minutes enough of what's going on so when they get somewhere they know what a subject is that somebody brings up at work you know say hey did you hear about yeah i heard about it on kdk radio and after a hundred years we're still here and interestingly enough this guy whose name is peter diamandis who is one of the 50 he was just named by forbes magazine as one of the uh, world's 50 greatest leaders and almost nobody knows his name he is somebody who has analyzed technology and tried to help humanity with it so he looked at the last hundred years which fits perfectly into kdk radio's beginning and he had a 96 slide presentation a powerpoint and when he talked about 1920 what's the most significant thing that happened in technology and the first thing you see is kdk radio made me proud and i think people in the region should be proud of that fact too because we also have talked to people that feel it was such a game-changing moment that it was as big as or bigger than the internet in terms of its influence on people on a daily basis Once again, Larry Richard, one of the things that changed on 9-11 and the days afterwards was the amount of content devoted to the attacks. And we had a sports talk show that wasn't functioning as a sports talk show. We'll talk to the host, Thor Tolo, coming up next on KDK Radio. We were talking about how things changed when Larry took over the morning show right around 9-11 and a change for KDK with a much greater focus on news. And so much so that a nightly sports talk show that we had 
wasn't about sports any longer. The host, Thor Tolo, joins us on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. Thor, welcome back to KDKA Radio. Robert, good evening. It's an honor to be on your show, and I really appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for making time. Go back to 9-11, if you could, and how things changed and what changed for you as a host, especially that first week? How crushing it was to the soul and how heartbreaking it was and how visceral the reactions were. And at the same time, uh, that first day in the afternoon at 4.15, uh, when Fred Hansberger and I were together, he'd hankering the afternoon drive show, came to me for the sportscast at 4.15. And it was the very last afternoon sportscast we would do uh, for the next several weeks uh, because Mike Romai and I joined forces that night. He then was hosting the 9 to Midnight show and I, the sports show, from 6 until 9. And then for the next, I don't remember exactly how many weeks, but I'm assuming it was three or four weeks at least, we were together co-hosting from 6 p.m. until midnight. You know, that's that's quite a run, you know, six hours a night, five days a week for a month. Uh, and, and yet it was very liberating to me because that, by the way, was a turning point for me as I made the transition from sports permanently into news coverage and, and talk show hosting and uh, straight news talk hosting i mean uh, also out here in seattle years later but the larger point was though that that there was a there was a a lack of synchronization to what the routine had been and now in the new america in the new reality and in the new history that was the wake of 911 uh, everything just seemed to take on uh, a life of its own and the calls we got and the feedback we got and the and the and the consistency of decorum and respect and there was little if any joking around uh, by callers I mean uh, and and there was there was hardly anything political about the calls even though Mike was clearly left of center and I still today right of center politically there was no, no sense of it becoming political and that's what I appreciated most it became more of a town a nightly town hall conversation versus uh, a combative by nature talk show environment when you were hosting sports and you were making this transition, mm-hmm. did it almost feel as though sports was irrelevant at that point? I mean, was there this desire within you to talk about this on a nightly basis? Or was there a part of you that thought it would be nice to have that little bit of an escape to talk sports again? Talk to you us know, about that, that is a great that is a great question Robert and I think it, it, three and a half weeks later now that it, that timetable rings a bell I think three and a half weeks later our then news director uh, PJ Kamenchik uh, came to us and said I think it's time that we get back to some sort of normalcy but on that day and this is why I appreciate your question Robert on that day the Chicago White Sox had just landed in, in New York City in the wee hours of the morning and checked into their hotel before sunrise and I remember the White Sox had made a roster move and that was the that was the story that I was sharing in the 415 sportscast on 9-11 and it just seemed so fantastically out of place so trivial obviously you know and and then I remember the conversation uh, with, with PJ and with Fred uh, God rest his soul and and uh, we, we we just agreed that yeah it just didn't seem to make much sense Mark Wilkins the former Pirates pitcher was a month away from being granted free agency and I had a soundbite with him talking about how he wanted to you know stay with the Pirates if possible and, and that too was a part of that abbreviated 45 second sportscast but the moment it ended I remember just looking up and Fred looking at me and we just kind of nodded in agreement without any words being spoken that uh, pretty much that was it let's back the horse into the barn and let's get down to the business of, of grieving as a nation 
What do you think that KDK meant to the people of Pittsburgh in processing the events of that day and then the healing that began uh, over the weeks to follow? Oh, I, I was quick to compare it to the now late John Corby's phenomenal coverage of the U.S. air flight uh, disaster in 1994. Uh, he was on the air nearly a year before returning to Columbus. And I remember how many fans of his who became fans of the show I hosted uh, with that blessing. I remember so many saying that, that what Mike Romai and I were doing, especially Mike, uh, who is so seasoned at news talking, is such a pro, uh, it, you know, how, how that it was therapeutic for the audience. And that it reminded them of what Corby had done seven years earlier uh, and, and how powerful it was to have a, a medium to go to and, and speak through to reach other people and, and to share the, the sense of community in mourning and then uh, have it be, uh, you know, just part of our Commonwealth, which is part of 50 states, of course, but also have a show reaching over half the country and so much of Canada and that know that so many thousands and thousands of people far away from Southwest Pennsylvania were we're tuning in and being able to, to, to join in that, that sense of, of community and that sense of loss. It was, it was overpowering and it was just a, it was flattering to be mentioned in the same breath with, uh, with John Corby's name. Yeah. Thor Tolo joining us this evening. Thor, thank you so much and looking forward to talking to you again. I really appreciate it, Robert. Absolutely. Thor Tolo joining us on the Disk Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline.